0: joining us this morning. Thank you for uh, journeying with us as we continue to be a community that is learning to live and love like Jesus. If this is your first Sunday with us and you're a guest here, we invite you to stop by the welcome desk to pick up a mug. Inside that mug you'll find a piece of our story. We hope you share with us your story as well and you can take the mug with you. It's just our way of inviting you to the table to just asking you to be present and serving as an invitation and saying you are welcome here at the table with us. Well, we've been in this series called Push and Pull, this series, a journey through 2, uh, 2 Thessalonians, and we are going to continue that journey this morning. We're going to be looking at a passage in which we begin to see that Paul is actually about to really lay into the church that he helped create, the church that he helped found. And so when you're thinking about tackles later today, you kind of just realize that This is a tackling passage that we're going to be looking at today. Paul is just dropping a a shoulder and he's running full pledge into the church that he helped start. That is the reality of the passage, the narrative of the passage that we are going to look at today. Throughout this letter of 2 Thessalonians, Paul is giving his church, his friends, his family, an encouragement to stay focused. They had started to become unraveled and unwound both by their troubles and by some false teachings, especially about the end times. Just in a chapter prior, actually, the followers of Jesus had become so distracted and lost focus so much by end-time beliefs that they started to actually become complacent. They weren't really buying into anything. They kind of just gave up. It was kind of this, oh, we're just going to resign. Jesus will come back soon. You know, the world's crazy. We go out there, we get our heads chopped off. If we just keep our heads down here, the Lord's coming back soon you know we kind of actually fall into that same attitude sometimes this is what we see happening in Thessalonians it's just the people are becoming resigned and they're just giving up they're they're becoming distracted by end time beliefs bad attitudes and misconceptions it's evident throughout this whole letter that paul is somewhat put off that they've lost their focus so easily in troubles and with the end time discussions in fact, many times he refers to them as just being lazy and calls them to rediscover passion and energy. In the passage today, we're also going to see that he continues to call them back to the example of Jesus, but also the example that he and the other founders of the church created when they, when they created this community. It's the part of this uh, energy that they wove woven into the, the DNA of the church. And he keeps pointing them back to these foundational pieces, these foundational examples, and saying, look, look. This is what it was all about. You could say Paul is teaching them to stay focused. To push and pull through the trials, the tribulations, the troubles of following Jesus. And he helps them develop some blueprints. Some blueprints that are going to help them climb out of their troubles, the trials, the tribulations, and push on for perseverance. So these are blueprints from perseverance from 2 Thessalonians. It's what we've been studying. It's been part of our four-part Sunday morning series, and this morning we're going to be looking at Paul in 2 Thessalonians 3, and where he talks about being encouraged to stay focused. And so this morning we're going to be looking at another blueprint from Paul, one I've called Stay Focused. As we look at this passage, I think we are going to hear some things that Paul tells the early church that are actually going to also assist us in helping us keep on keeping on. As we explore what it means to stay focused in this blueprint for perseverance that Paul gives us, we're going to be reading 2 Thessalonians 3, 6-15. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open up to that passage, to follow along, to read along as I read it. But it's also going to be in the Red Pew Bible in front of you. It's on page 1173. I can't even read my own writing. 1173. It's also going to be on the screen in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, make sure that you get one. Just see me afterwards. Let's just pause here and pray before we read the word. Lord, we just ask that you to be present as we read the word, that it resonates with us, that we grapple with it, that we own it, that it speaks to our identity, that it becomes part of our identity, Lord, and that you reveal something from this passage today, Lord, that resonates with us and speaks to us. Amen. Follow along as I read. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you have received from us. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, "'laboring and toiling so that we could not be a burden to any of you. "'We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, "'but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. "'For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, "'the one who is unwilling to work should not eat. "'We hear that some of you, uh, some among you are idle and disruptive. "'They are not busy, they are busy buddies.' Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone that does not obey our instruction with this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet, do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer a heavy passage. Paul is dropping his shoulder and he's running full pledge into the church that he helped plant. First, what we see in this passage is obviously that some have become very complacent. They've become unplugged. They've wanted released from the shared sense of mission. They've wanted comfort. They've become so apathetic that they've actually become a burden to the community, to each other, and to the mission of the kingdom of God. Their laziness has taken a toll on the shared mission of the church. They have stopped pushing and pulling into the journey of following Jesus and they've kind of resigned. As they became complacent and unplugged, we see that they subconsciously, most likely, and unintentionally, found their focus shifting towards misdirections and misunderstandings. They've gotten in traps and began distract, becoming distracted by things. In fact, they engaged their idleness so much that Paul says they have begun to develop conceit. They had become meddlers, as one translation put it. Of each other's lies and concerns. They weren't on mission together anymore. They weren't going out in the neighborhood together anymore. They were actually on witch hunts and spy missions. They were looking inward instead of outward. They were trying to get outside of themselves. Now to carry the weight of the whole. Those who were trying to get outside of themselves. Now had to carry the weight of the mission. Of the whole church. Of their own burdens. And of the outside focus. They had to carry the weight of these extra bumps on a log that were tearing the community down. Paul's getting a whiff of that from where he's writing, and he's confronting this attitude right away. There's a whole bunch we could say about what Paul says here. He says a whole bunch. Well, let's pause and look at what seems to be the main reason that Paul is writing them. N.T. Wright, the theologian, puts it this way. The main reason Paul's teaching... The main reason was Paul's teaching that the church was indeed a family and that its members should therefore take care of one another. So Paul greets them as brothers and sisters. He greets them with a family greeting. He greets them as if he is still part of the church. He's still part of the family. And he's saying, whoa, 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 guys. Family is what it's about. We've got to carry the burdens together. We've got to stay plugged in together. We've got to stay in a shared mission together. The main problem is that people aren't looking and working the way they should. As N.T. Wright continues, just as in any household, it is sometimes tempting for one member to sneak out of regular domestic duties and raw, rely on others to be nice and not make a fuss. Trading on their love to get a free ride. So it can be in the church as well, but it isn't that way, but that isn't the way the dance of God's love sweeps onto the stage and brings gasps of delight to the onlookers. That's a powerful line. But that isn't the way the dance of God's love sweeps onto the stage and brings gasps of delight from the onlookers. Maybe you don't have kids, but you have roommates or you've had roommates and you know that roommates are the same way. Sometimes they like to dip out and leave the dirty dishes piled up high, hoping one of the other roommates get it. When we live in community as a family or when we live in community intentionally together, there are burdens and weights that need to be carried by everyone. We have to remain engaged and intentionally in a shared mission together. We can't resign to let other people carry the weight. But that is exactly the attitude we see Paul touching on here. He's saying, well, well, guys, some of you are doing all the work and some of you aren't doing anything. And you know what, those guys that aren't doing anything, well, you might as well just throw them out. He doesn't pull any punches. So what can we take away? What can we take away from this passage for us here at East Petersburg Mennonite Church as we explore this passage and what it means to be focused, to stay focused and not become succumbed by laziness? Well, if you received the bulletin when you came in, you'll find there's some underscore lines. There's some places you can fill in the, the, I don't know if you want to call them blanks. That's the word I'm looking for. You can fill in the blanks. I encourage you to follow along with me to fill out these areas as we go along and kind of chew on them the rest of the week. The first thing that we see is as we look at this passage throughout this second letter to the Thessalonians, Paul is constantly reminding them to stay focused. We, fe- we heard it in this passage. We heard it in the other ones. Paul is continually reminding them to stay focused. Touchdown. You guys still with me? I was just seeing if you were focused. So. so far, we also see that Paul has expressed worry that they will lose focus as a result of troubles in the end time. Paul's expressed this deep worry. Guys, guys, don't miss it. Don't Don't forget the example of Jesus. Don't forget about the example I gave you guys. He's very worried that they're going to do this. Now, we missed two weeks ago because of a snow delay. We missed two weeks ago because of a snow delay. And... In that week, we noted we were going to look at how the church had actually become distracted by the end times. And that carries over into this passage a little bit. Some of the people at this time that had become unplugged and had resigned had just realized the world's a crazy place. Jesus is probably coming back soon, so we should just kind of continue to meet together and become resigned and blank. You know, we're going to hang out together, and when Jesus comes back, everything's going to be all right. But we don't really need to go out there into that dangerous spot. And so that is the attitude that Paul deals with in 1 Corinthians 2, but it's continuing here in 1 Corinthians, I mean 2 Thessalonians 3. As the layman's Bible commentary puts it, Paul has nothing to do with promoting the sit around and wait for Jesus philosophy. So some of these people are just sitting around and waiting for Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2 was full of people needing to be reminded to stay on task, to stay focused, because they had resigned to waiting for the return of the Lord. They believed it had to be intimate because of the troubles of the world. Do we ever sound like that? The world's so crazy. It's really crazy out there. I I can't even imagine having kids in this world. I've heard that one, or I don't know what kind of life my kids are going to have. We worry about these things all the time, and sometimes as a Result, we become resigned to just being inward focus. You could call it the sit-around-and-wait-for-Jesus philosophy. Our churches in American Anabaptist fundamental and evangelical worlds have often resigned to this early this idea of wait-for-Jesus. In it, we've lost our focus on the here and the now and traded it for a hope of the yet-to-come. In other words... They've had their heads in the clouds while their feet were still on the earth. In this passage again, they are called to stay focused and not to be distracted by comfort or unproductiveness. Paul is telling them that their witness as a church community is speaking very loudly. It's speaking so loudly that he's getting a whiff of it from where he's at. They had lost focus on many things. This passage is Paul's blueprint for perseverance perseverance. Out of idleness. They had become a people who were idle and unproductive. Matthew Henry explains Paul's call out of idleness like this. If we are idle, the devil and a corrupt heart will soon find something for us to do. We often say something like our uh, idle hands are the devil's playgrounds, right? Right? It's the same idea that Matthew Henry, St. Paul, is pushing out here. Notice something about this quote. If we are idle, the devil and a corrupt heart will find something for us to do. It isn't all on the devil. It's also on our willingness and our corrupt hearts to allow idleness to creep in. For your idle in the shared mission of the church... And only attending in physical presence, what we find to do will probably be not of the kingdom of God. If we come to church on Sundays just to be in church on Sundays, what we occupy ourselves in the other times will probably not always be the kingdom of God. Paul also urges them to stay clear of those who are unproductive, those who are divisive, and those who are unaccountable. Paul tells them from the get go that he doesn't have time for these types in the church. You could say it's a disease, it's contagious. We can get caught in the traps of debate and attitude that inhibit the church and that do not mobilize the kingdom of God. This is exactly what Paul is doing here. He's saying, hey guys, guys, you got to push those guys out. Don't, don't be distracted by those guys because what they've got, that, that sense of idleness... Uh, it's it's contagious. And if you get distracted by that, you guys are all going to become idle. So if you're doing good, kind of keep on doing good because I don't want you to fall into this trap. That's what Paul's pushing out here. When we become unproductive, when we become idle, we actually become divisive and we can actually create a trap in which inhibits the church from its shared mission. Paul tells them the blueprint for overcoming this is just to steer clear of those who are leading with this problem. They are also reminded of Paul's example of following Jesus with passion, with dedication, and self-sustainability. Paul begins to push out this idea that they who had the right to be a burden on church never were. The message explains it in one of the coolest ways. It says it like this. We showed you how to pull your own weight when we were with you, so get on with it. We didn't sit around on our hands expecting others to take care of us. In fact, we worked our fingers to the bone up half the night moonlighting so you wouldn't be burdened with taking care of us. Paul's telling them, the example we gave you, the example Jesus gave you, was one full of passion. It was one full of outward focus. It was one where the community wasn't resigned. It wasn't one where the community just looked at its own needs. But it was one where it was involved in the neighborhood. He's saying, look, even when we were there, we made sure we weren't a burden on you. Because we wanted to set the bar high. We wanted to be able to have a witness. We wanted to be able to have a testimony that this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what the church looks like. We are all mobilized and moving and working together for some shared mission. We are conquering the world together. That is the idea that Paul left with them. And he's calling them back to that. Jesus, Jesus did that. Uh, I did that. We didn't sit around doing what you guys are doing. This is where Paul sometimes just sounds a little big in the head. And we read it with this. Paul is kind of saying, oh, I didn't do that. But what he's saying is, guys, where did you learn that? We didn't teach you that. That's not the attitude we taught you. We taught you to be moving, not to be idle. You see, Paul had actually practiced life in their midst to show them what to mirror in the church. A community that was actually not about getting, but giving. Paul had created this church with such a heart for the outside world, with such an idea of giving with such an idea of what he wanted to see mirrored in it, that he had this invested relationship with it. He was looking at it going, whoa, 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 that's not what I envisioned for you guys. In fact, we can see this as we flip back to 1 Thessalonians when he first writes to the church. Paul actually says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you, not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Paul's looking at the investment he put in his church and saying, guys, I wasn't there just to hit you over the hammer and tell you some things about the gospel. I was there because I loved you guys. My families were there. Our friends' families were there. Like, we, we became involved here. And now I'm looking back at my investment, and I'm seeing it's not proving so fruitful. Please, guys, remember what I taught you. That's what we see Paul's attitude here. Paul has said, to see that the idle individuals in the church had resigned to a complacent attitude, that the church was all about their needs and their comforts. These people had given up. They had resigned. Some of them were just bogged down with their troubles. Some were expecting the times to end. Others were just kind of like, hey, we have this community that cares for the needs of each other. We share food. So I don't really have to work that hard. I don't really have to do things out there because my needs are all met here. This is kind of where my focus is getting. The church had become about their needs and their comforts. They had become complacent. They had resigned that that was all the church was. Have we mirrored their trespasses to some degree? The church that Paul is writing to was given an essential value that says those willing to physically invest should not be rewarded. This is the heart behind why Paul says those who do not work should eat. Paul's blueprint is one that says those who do not invest in the shared mission of the church in the life of each other should not be rewarded. Those who are the seat warmers in the bench don't get to eat. Now there are some people that they would have cared for, widows and people that were poor, people that couldn't work. But what he's saying is those of you who are just resigned to being complacent and doing nothing, you don't get to eat. In fact... It wasn't about getting their needs and comforts met, Paul says. Because it's not what it was about to begin with through the example he gave them. It's about working together for purpose. Now, interesting, Paul makes a connection between the troublemakers and the unproductive ones. This is, there's two things that we're going to highlight that inhibit the work of the church community. And this is one of them. There's a connection between the troublemakers and the unproductive ones. The realization is that those who were making trouble, those who were being divisive, those meddlers, as some translations put it, were also the ones who were unproductive. Now, you've probably heard me mention it before, but if you've been laid off you and you can't find work, it begins to mess with your identity, it begins to mess with who you are. And, it, you know, especially for guys, it can start to lead to depression. I was laid off a few years ago, and I couldn't find work in the D.C. area, and it really began to mess with who I was Well we don't have work, we become depressed, we can become angry, our attitudes shifts from loving and soft to hard, judgmental, anxious, uncomfortable, scared. and a result of that is that unintentionally and subconsciously, these things become our identity, and we become troublemakers. The people that are resigned in the community, know oh, the times are going to end, or, you know, our troubles are just too much. Or, you know, let's just stay inward focused. Our needs are met in here. These people had no way of stretching their mind to an outside world view. All they saw was the inner view. They had become unproductive. And so as a result, they started to become kind of closed off. And they become hard. They're not loving and soft. They become anxious. And as a result, and subconsciously, I believe, they became troublemakers. They became meddlers in each other's business. I want to note that those who are laid off, those who are not working, those who are not buying into the shared mission of the church outside of their presence, and those who are retired, you must realize this is a dangerous trap for us all, but especially for those in those times, uh, those, those situations. That we must keep busy with the shared mission of the church, or it is too easy for us to resign and just become a burden. We are vulnerable people, and with those, those areas, we become even more vulnerable. It's easy for someone unproductive to become a troublemaker in the life of the church unintentionally and inhibit its mission. The second thing Paul says that I want to highlight today is that he warns there's a difference between being busy and being a busybody. We chuckled when we read this part, right? This is Paul's touchdown line. And T. Wright puts it this way. Busy buddies, as Paul calls them, were going around visiting people. They were showing up here and there, eating other people's food, but never actually settling down to a job of work. They relied instead on the goodwill of the other Christians. We could also say that these people weren't in it for the health of the community. They weren't in carrying their own weight. They weren't showing support. They had lost passion for the kingdom and the neighborhood and the mission of God's love in the world, And they were just resigned to their own context and the narrative of their community. They'd become busy buddies. When we aren't busy doing the things of God, we can quickly become busy with other things. It's a game of priorities. And when we don't put the mission of the kingdom first, we become busy buddies with a whole bunch of other things. In this passage, the unproductive, the divisive, and the unaccountable are urged to stop being meddlers... And to take a back seat. They've actually become a wall and an inhibiting presence to the church community and the work of its mission. The church wasn't able to survive and thrive because it was too worried about those who were actually focused on doing good. On carrying the weight of those who weren't. As a result, this passage calls us all to stay focused and always passionately energized to do what is good. Paul says, hey guys. You guys that are focused on doing the things of the kingdom. You guys that are focused on following Jesus. You guys that are focused on doing the things that we taught you when we were there. Keep on keeping on. Keep doing these good things. Don't don't grow tired of it. Don't fall into these traps. Keep focused on those good things. That's good. That's what the kingdom is all about. That's what we wanted from you. To stay focused and to be always passionately energized to do what is good. Don't get caught up in this other stuff of these guys are doing. Just keep on keeping on. Paul also makes sure that we understand that we are called to invite and challenge those unproductive individuals into accountability. Now the King James, I think, and some other versions say that Paul says that they are to be shunned in the first passage, in the first verse. But interesting enough, Paul says before he ends this part of his letter... Treat them not as an outsider, but just as somebody. Same letter, same way Paul's writing him. Just treat them as somebody who is a fellow believer and has just lost their focus. Call them and invite them. Challenge those unproductive individuals into accountability. So we close today, and as the band uh, begins to come back up to end our time together and in and, and worship. I want us to walk away feeling that we are staying focused, that we are walking away with our attitudes not as attitudes of being resigned, but attitudes that are focused and passionately engaged. So as you stand to sing this last song, I ask you this question. How have you resigned? Where have you lost passion to circumstance? Where have you traded the not yet, uh, traded the here and the now for the hope of the not yet? The church community had become idle, divisive, and unproductive because of troubles in their world. Unhe- because of an unhealthy wait for the Lord's return philosophy. They had developed an inward focus rather than an outward focus. An unhealthy view of community being for them rather than being a place of shared mission. They had really lost passion and resigned to circumstance. The other people were in the church were getting trapped and carrying the weight of these people and still trying to do mission. Today, I imagine that each one of us have resigned in some way. We can name a place that we have resigned. This morning, we realize that church is our shared mi- mi- mission. To work together, not to be a place for us and to just be present in, but a place in which we are carrying the weight of each other and carrying the weight of the kingdom. So this last song is Light the Fire again and... In it, I just invite you to stand and cry out to the Lord for passion, surrendering those areas in which we've named that we have resigned.